Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include timing the real estate market, my interview with OptiFunders Mike McFadden on warehouse management, and the latest inflation reading. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. CompenSafe makes managing employee incentive compensation easy with a solution to transform complex calculus and webs of spreadsheets into an orderly push-button process. Learn more at SimpleNexus.com. Okay, tomorrow is a holiday for many, but let's not forget those veterans during the rest of the year. And as a side note, there will be no podcast tomorrow. Moving back to mortgages and real estate, as reported in the commentary, not only was Redfin, parent of Bay Equity, downgraded, but it is shutting its home flipping business and has cut 13% of its workforce. Yesterday, the commentary noted that the retail portion of Angel Oak Home Loans are rumored to be heading to Cross Country, who supposedly laid off 100 people in Colorado. The report of layoffs is erroneous and apparently sprang from a disgruntled employee. Sorry about that. Money can't buy happiness, but poverty can't buy anything. (laughs) All right. Yeah, we'll go with that. Money can't buy happiness, but poverty can't buy anything. So get to work. (laughs) Who wrote that? It certainly takes money to buy a house, but only 16% of respondents said that now is a good time to buy a home per October's Fannie Mae Home Purchase Sentiment Index or HPSI. The full index is down 18.8 points year over year, and interestingly, the percentage you believe now is a good time to sell decreased abruptly from 59% to 51% in October. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome on to the show Mike McFadden, founder and CEO of OptiFunder, the mortgage entry's pioneer warehouse management system for originators. And he's also a former coworker of mine. Previously, Michael served as Chief of Staff and SVP of Finance for Stonegate Mortgage Corporation, where he led the company's IPO efforts in 2013 through the company's sale process in 2017, which concluded with the sale to HomePoint Financial in May of that year. I want to start by asking you when and, and why did you start OptiFunder? You and I used to work together, but uh, OptiFunder was was something that, that started after we went our separate ways. Yeah, the uh, I think the when... You know, go, goes over a few different time frames because the the when was really the the idea came when I was running finance for an independent originator uh, back you know from 2013 to 2017 at Stonegate and um, you know I I sat in the in the chair of uh, running finance and you know I just I just felt like something as a as as a finance guy that should be pretty predictable around uh, the cost of, of financing for an independent originator didn't seem to be it, it just it just shocked me why you know there was so much volatility in that and and you know so you start asking questions about well how are we how are we making these decisions and uh, you know we have all these different funding sources why does any given loan go on any given line and uh, it was clear we didn't really have a reason. So I, I I knew at that time, again, this is back, you know, 2014, 2015, that there had to be a better way to to, to make these decisions with the outcome being, hey, a, a lower cost of capital as an independent originator. And so, um, you know, I kind of kind of fought with it, uh, you know, through that wave. And then 
I left Stonegate the the day we sold uh, the business to HomePoint Financial in, on May 31st of 2017. Uh, and that's really when I started to kind of put the, the plan on the, on the paper and start to figure out how do we solve this problem. Um, but certainly it wasn't overnight. And so, um, you know, I, I was working with various folks around how do we solve the problem? How do we uh, get it in front of uh, originators? And uh, you know, so so really from 2017 until 2019, it was can we solve this problem? Uh, and then once we once we knew we had a solution, um, you know, we we started to work on getting the message out, talking to clients, testing it with real data, um, and you know, ultimately brought it to market back in late 2019. But really, all the work and, and effort and and you know, the starting it happened. Uh, over that time frame, uh, and so it spanned a long time. But uh, you know, and then it was kind of off to the races once we uh, once we came out in uh, in in 2019. Maybe I should back up a second and say, can you explain what a warehouse management system is and, and sure. what Funder does uh, and how it plays in the space? Yeah, so you know the 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 term warehouse management system. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of the we, we kind of coined that phrase because we're the first ones to do it and. At the time, again, back in 2019, it wasn't a warehouse management system. Really, it was a it was a decisioning engine, and it was how do we how do we help independent originators who are using multiple warehouse lines make the best decisions they can uh, when they fund loans. Uh, it's really evolved into a warehouse management system, really just from you know hearing our clients' feedback and additional challenges they faced and things that we could we could help them solve, and so. Really, a warehouse management system for an originator is uh, solving the entire process of, uh, one, deciding which line each and every loan does go on. Uh, But there's a lot of manual steps then as the the loan is sitting in the warehouse, uh, such as uh, tracking collateral and shipping it to the investor and, um, you know, Going in and and uh, retrieving the the purchase advice from the investor and paying down the line and um, you know even earlier in in, in tracking uh, the the wire instructions before it goes to the settlement agent and so there's all these manual steps that are that are involved in the time that the loans in the warehouse which is anywhere from you know could be five days to you know fifteen twenty days and so what we did is provided a single solution that gives originators the ability to manage that entire process, know that you're making the best decisions and know that you're optimizing every step along the way. And where do you see the technology going from here? Yeah. You know, I I think it will go um, as the industry goes. Right. And so I I think there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting things happening around uh, this kind of transition from primary market to secondary market, which you know the, the whole warehouse um, uh, you know industry and, and program kind of sits in that in that area with the adoption of additional technology and certainly around e-notes. Um, and so as the industry continues to evolve and continues to get more and more adoption around uh, e-notes, I think the technology will will start to migrate more and more towards that. We're doing a lot of work today, uh, and 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 as as are a lot of folks in the e note space, uh, really, and just doing that that initial building uh, and preparation for that adoption. But I I think we will be a meaningful piece of this whole 
um, migration from you know shipping paper all over the country to uh, being able to transfer uh, you know, collateral electronically, uh, you know, with a click of a button. Uh, given where we sit in that in that origination process, I think we'll be a meaningful participant uh, in, in helping getting the industry adoption that really everybody's everybody's hoping for. Yeah, and right now in the industry, it's a very challenging time out there. We all know the narrative about rising rates and uh, shrinking volumes and and margins. Yeah, everybody's facing challenges, but I, I assume in in starting a company and and getting it to where it is now, you faced a lot of those. What were the challenges and successes that kept you going? Look, uh, starting out, it's uh, you know, like I said, I, I knew there was a big a big problem uh, that could be solved, and it really boiled down to, gosh, can we can can I find the right people? Right, the right people being like you know, people that are a lot smarter than myself and how we solve this problem, uh, and translating that problem into a technology, and that's not an easy an easy task. Uh, and again, uh, it, it wasn't me, it was, it was the team we were able to, to build and, uh, find the right folks. You know, the, the first folks that, that we've had are still with us today. And so that that's been, uh, certainly one of the successes in my mind is just our team has continued to build and, and we have the same exact team today. Uh, and, and so I don't think we would be as successful as we, as we are and as we have been without, without that team. The challenges, as you mentioned, a lot of a lot of people are facing challenges, and companies are facing challenges today. But you know, look, there there will be another cycle uh, that we that we go through, and and uh, I, I think the the folks that are focused on investing into the future are, are going to be the ones that uh, that really come out uh, on the on the back end of this with you know in, in a better position than they than they went into. Um, and so it's. You know, I don't know. Words of encouragement, or you know, it, it, it's difficult in this, in the, in the, you know, here and now. But uh, there are there are brighter days ahead for sure. There will there will be another cycle. This is still a, a massive, massive industry with a lot of opportunity still ahead of us um, to uh, to really achieve a lot of the outcomes. That again, like I mentioned, this whole adoption of becoming more and more digital. We we still got to focus on that, even though that you know. Uh, we're, we're looking at a at a significantly smaller origination market this year and next than than we're coming out of. Yeah, and it, it is a good opportunity for companies to to enhance their digital offerings when the the fire hose isn't going at full blast, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, in creating a mortgage tech platform, any surprises along the way? What surprised you? I think the surprise uh, for for us has really just been on and uh, you know. What, what we've been able to, to, to provide for our, our clients. I mean, as I mentioned, we didn't, we didn't coin this phrase of, of warehouse management system out, out of the gates because that's not what it was. But for us, the surprise has been as we get into more and more, more and more of our clients, it's, gosh, you're still doing that manually. You're still, you're still taking all these steps to solve this simple problem. And uh, is that something that, that uh, we could leverage technology for um, and so I, I think just the the the, the large uh, uh, you know continued challenges that that originators face, and certainly in an environment like this, to spend the time uh, and, and invest into the future, so that when this new you know cycle does come about, uh, you're you're very well prepared for it. And so um, really, just the, the the relationship we've been able to build with our clients, we wouldn't have what we have today without. Um, you know, feedback and, and the relationship we've been able to build for uh, 
with with each and every one of our our clients. And what do you think decision makers need to know when implementing a new tech solution? Now that you you've uh, been on both sides of this process, frankly, I, I think every technology is different. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, I've I uh, a- after Stonegate, I I had the opportunity to help a, uh, another mortgage technology company try to try to navigate the, the market as well. And so I, uh, you know, from that experience, I saw uh, how making a difficult implementation process can be uh, very challenging to the, to the growth of, a, of an organization. And so from the get-go, um, and, and, and our entire team will tell you this, is our, our goal has been to provide the most seamless implementation as possible. Um, and, and, you know, with what we, what we do, you think about the big problem we're solving and how complicated it is, we have been able to make the implementation process a very, very simple process. We don't need, um, like, again, not a, not a typical software implementation. We don't really need IT support to do it because it's, it's really just a, a configuration exercise uh, all the integrations that we've built along the way, which are uh, vast, um, we do it once, and then we just leverage that that existing architecture to um, just add another you know person onto that. And so it's not an IT uh, resource, an exercise. We don't need IT resources in a time like this when you know IT's probably uh, been shrunk, or even in times that uh, everybody's really really busy it's hard to fight for IT resources. And so uh, our, our uh, big focus has been build something that we can implement with no IT resources. And we, we've been able to do that even with all the additional uh, solutions that we pushed out in, into our product. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a big thing, you know, um, make it as easy as possible and not have to go into a, to a company and say, hey, we're going to completely change the way you originate a loan. That's a big undertaking, right? And to try to scope that out and understand the, the total impact of that, uh, we tried to make it just that, you know, we're going to, we're going to leverage this technology uh, into a, a part of your origination process, and it's going to make it, you know, easier, faster, smoother to, to do, your, uh, to do your, the, the business that you're doing. I want to close with a, a fun question. I have, I have a note here that says you played baseball in college and, and actually a two, two bar question. I want to ask how, how playing baseball shaped your approach to starting and running a business, but also I see in your undergrad, you were a physics major. And I want to know if there's any connections between physics and the mortgage industry or anything that was applicable from that education. Uh, yeah, that's uh, man. Uh, take, taking me back. So that's many, many moons ago was uh, my, my college career, but uh you know, look, I, I think uh, I've I've always been kind of attracted to, to athletes and, and just in general and, and how they they approach problems and, and solutions. And, um, you know, the, the biggest thing just being how do you manage your time? How do you uh, you know, when you're when you're a college athlete, you're, you're playing sports, but you also have to take care of business on uh, on the academic side as well. Um, and so, yeah, look, I, I'm still a, a, a baseball fanatic. Um, I love the game and I think it's the greatest game and, and, uh, you know, because it, I was a pitcher, right. And so, you know, I play once, once every four or five days and, 
So you learn how to be a really good cheerleader, uh, but you also learn how to, you know, carry the weight on on your shoulders uh, every fourth or fifth day when you're on the mound. And, uh, you know, so, so being able to go out there and compete, uh, being able to be a really, really good team player, uh, I think are two very important things in, uh, in starting a business uh, and, and then, and in growing a business, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, I, I've heard this many times, is a, is a lonely job. Uh, and that's true. And uh, many times when you're out, out there on the mound and, and struggling, uh, it's a pretty lonely feeling as well. So, you know, being able to, to fight through those types of things, I think, have been very uh, helpful in, in the help of me navigate, um, you know, my, my professional career uh, as well. Uh, man, on the, on the physics side, I thought you were going to ask if there was a correlation between physics and, and baseball, physics and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and mortgage, uh, you know, su- surprisingly there is, you know, uh, th- this is a massive industry, right? And, and you think about all the complexity around, um, the capital markets in our business and, uh, understanding how pipelines move with, uh, with changes in rates and, and duration and, and things like that, uh, that helped me kind of learn the business uh, a lot easier. And, and that knowing that I can, you know, I can figure out the, the quantitative side of, of things. Uh, because look, when I got into this business in 2013, I couldn't spell mortgage. Uh, I knew nothing about it. Um, but uh, you know, being able to come in and, and kind of understand uh, that part of it. If you understand the secondary part of it, it's a lot easier to, to understand the primary uh, part of it. And so um, I, I would say maybe not, you know, and so that, that's how it's beneficial to mortgage, but beneficial to, to the problem we solved at OptiFund. Again, you think about all the complexities around managing uh, warehouses uh, and, and, you know, people sitting in a, in a finance chair today understand that with, you know, you got capacity limitations, you got eligibility restrictions, you got sublimits, and advance rates can be different, and dwell on the lines are different. And there's so many variables involved in that. But at the end of the day, it's a math problem. Uh, and so, what I think the benefit for me was I could formulate that problem, which is a very mortgage specific problem, to people that don't understand the mortgage business, so that we could go out and build a build a solution for it. And so. Um, I, I appreciate the fun question taking me back to, uh, to those times, but, uh, I, you know, I don't think about it a whole lot, but I do think it was probably pretty meaningful into, uh, you know, helping me kind of form my, uh, my professional career. Well, I appreciate you making the time to talk to me today and it was good to catch up. I haven't seen you in a little while, so, uh, hopefully I'll see you at a conference soon and, uh, maybe we'll have you back on the podcast sometime in the new year. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Robert. Turning to the secondary markets, Ginny Mae's MPS portfolio outstanding grew to $2.3 trillion in October, boosted by $37 billion of total MBS issuance, leading to $23 billion of net growth. October's new MBS issuance supports the financing of more than 125,000 households, including more than 57,000 first-time homebuyers. In terms of interest rates, yesterday was another quiet day for mortgage-backed securities and thus pricing engines and rates ahead of today's CPI reading. We had some international news, you know, cooling inflation in China, if you can believe the numbers, and the British Prime Minister considering an increase to the top income tax rate, and the midterm elections and lack of materialization of a red wave to digest in the U.S. A pullback in treasuries and MBS accelerated after the completion of yesterday's $35 billion 10-year note auction, which met dismal demand. The Atlanta Fed's GDP Now forecast for Q4 GDP growth 
was increased to 4% from 3.6% in the previous estimate, which may embolden the Fed to maintain its aggressive hiking pace. Today brought the all-important Consumer Price Index report for October. CPI increased 0.4% with core up 0.3%, both lower than expected. Wow, look at that. We've also received weekly initial jobless claims in at 225,000. Later this morning brings Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey, treasury auctions of 20-year bonds and reopened 10-year tips, and the October budget deficit. Five Fed speakers are scheduled to deliver remarks. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by a half to three quarters, and the 10-year yielding 3.96 after closing yesterday at 4.15% after the great CPI number. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Here's the second part of some political quotes with neither party targeted. Politicians are the same all over. They promise to build a bridge even where there's no river. When I was a boy, I was told that anybody could become president. I'm beginning to believe it. (laughs) That's a pretty good one. Why pay money to have your family tree traced? Go into politics and your opponents will do it for you. And if God wanted us to vote, he would have given us candidates. (laughs) Politicians are people who, when they see light at the end of the tunnel go out and buy some more tunnel. And politics is the gentle art of getting votes from the poor and campaign funds from the rich by promising to protect each from the other. That's pretty good. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the homeownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, and business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus and Encino Company, visit simplenexus.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.